You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. All right, we are calling this into the mess this morning. We are, as Lockie said, if you don't know what this is, we, around about every month, we go through a theme, um, a topic, and uh, we're doing wielding the word. So if you haven't grabbed one of these, please grab one on the way out. The heart behind what we call the overall thing is called the transformation trek where we do these little themes around helping you grow, um, helping you grow in Jesus. Because, I mean, even the heart behind wielding the word is sometimes we feel like we can come to church and that's our time to be fed. That's our only time that we can have spiritually fed, I'm talking about. Hopefully not also physically fed as well if you're only eating one time a week, but spiritually fed. Um, And while we hope you are, that's too much to put on a single day of an entire Christian walk. And so for those that are growing in Jesus, we hope that you can feed yourself also, that you don't have to come Sunday and I get out the baby spoon and go, here it comes, (laughs) it's an aeroplane, open your mouth, that you're able to go home and open the word of God and wield it yourself as well. Whether you're learning or you're just getting a Bible for the first time or you're seasoned, that you know how to use this. Because as Brad's been talking about the last few weeks, it can be dangerous. It's a sword of truth. And I don't know about you, but the kids aren't today, we're not giving them swords to play with because in the wrong hands, it's quite dangerous. It can be used. It can be taken out of context. And so we want this church to learn how to feed itself, which many of you do. But that's the whole heart of the transformation trek and the whole heart of this series And so, while we go through these themes, we've also been going through the book of Luke. And uh, we've been doing that also in our daily readings, if you've been following our church readings. We've been going through Luke each morning. And I don't know about you, I've been loving them. For those that have been reading along with us, hopefully you've been enjoying our daily readings in Luke. If you didn't know about them, we've got Luke and Acts to go this year. So come let me know and I'll get you the, the reading list. But... I don't know about you, probably because I grew up in church, probably because I grew up in Sunday school, I can sometimes almost try to think of the word. These stories are too familiar. I cut them out in Sunday school as a kid. And so as I'm reading through Luke, I hear that he heals someone and I picture playing with felt, I felt Jesus in Sunday school. And they almost don't sink through anymore because I've heard them and heard them and heard them. And so what I like to do when I approach the word lately, this this time, is I've been asking myself just two questions to kind of bring freshness to the way I read Luke. And it's, it's real simple, but I've been asking myself these two questions. What type of places did Jesus go? And what type of people did Jesus talk to? As I've been going through the book of Luke, as I've been wielding the word, I've been asking myself these two questions. What type of places did Jesus go and what type of people did Jesus talk to? (laughs) Not groundbreaking stuff, but sometimes we can get so used to the stories we forget to notice if God was one of us, what would he do with his time? I don't know about you, if God was one of us, what would he do with his time? Who would he be drawn to? And that's the question I've been asking myself afresh as I've been going through Luke, and I want to do it with you guys today. I want to go through a passage where we're up to in Luke and look at who does Jesus go towards? Who does he head towards? And hopefully we learn something about the creator of the universe 
and we learn something about ourselves as well. So let's get into it. Um, So far in Luke, if you've been here with us on Sunday, if you haven't, it's online. We do have the podcast online. But so far, Jesus has been prophesied about. We kind of skipped him being born um, because we're going to recover that a lot at Christmas. (laughs) So we, we skipped him being born, but we saw him as a young boy. We saw him head to the father's house. Lockie uncovered that. We seen him kind of tested by Satan in the desert and he passed. We saw saw God declare and say who he is, that he is his son through baptism and the Holy Spirit descended upon him as he went out to ministry. And then he gets his team together and that's what we've been looking at the last few weeks. He gathers the guys on the beach and says, come, follow me, we're going to change the world. Then we see him do this a lot. He goes straight up the mountain to pray. And now he's coming down the mountain and look where he goes. That's what we want to talk about today. He kind of starts his ministry now. We're getting into his three years, which was relatively short, but I think that's the longest he could stay alive before they actually got him because they couldn't stand, especially the religious, couldn't stand what he was doing. And so they killed him. So three years he got to do his ministry. And he's kind of the start of it, I guess, with his disciples. So let me read Luke 6, 17. We're going to have a look at three parts and we're going to ask these questions this morning. Let me read Luke 6, 17. He went down with them and stood on a level place. A large crowd of his disciples was there and a great number of people from all over Judea, Jerusalem and from the coastal region from Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured, and the people all tried to touch him, because power was coming from him and healing them all. They're all crowding round him, trying to get their piece of Jesus. Looking at his disciples, he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are those when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because of him. I spoke a little bit about this in communion a couple of weeks ago, but it's just been sticking with me as I read afresh Luke with you guys. I'm confronted afresh by who Jesus is heads towards Jesus the God who was born in a stable God who became one of us God who loves his father's house yes did spend time with the church leaders did spend time doing that did spend time alone with God and his disciples but once he's refreshed once he wakes up Monday morning where does he go straight into the mess Straight into the mess. How's this line? Couldn't be more clear. He went down with them and stood on a level place. Straight away, straight into the mess, into the crowd. It doesn't say he lectured them from afar and judged them and critiqued them, does it? It doesn't say he stood halfway up the mountain and pointed at them and told them what they were doing wrong. It didn't say he opened his church window so they might accidentally hear the worship music and might come. It doesn't say he opened a church window and said, Oi, sinners, get in here. 
come to our house. No, he comes down not even on a, like a, above them. He comes down on their level because that's the whole purpose. He's come from heaven to do that. So he's not going to just then stand afar. He's come straight into the mess. So much so that they're crowding him straight into the mess. And just because humans, in case the disciples don't pick it up, in case we're not sure of exactly what he's doing, he explains it. I read this, but I'll say it again. Looking at his disciples, us, if you're a Christian, looking at us, he wants to tell you, blessed are those who are poor. Because there's poor around him. He's saying, these guys, the kingdom of God is theirs. Blessed are those who are hungry, because they'll be satisfied. Blessed are those who are crying right now, because they will laugh. And blessed are those when people hate you, when you're persecuted, when you're excluded, when you're rejected, when there's tension. Why are these people blessed, you might wonder? Why are they blessed? Well, it's probably the most ancient teaching, a way more deeper version of what some psychologists call now mindfulness. It's not mindfulness, it's far deeper and far more ancient and wise. When you struggle... When you admit you're messy, when you admit you're not perfect, when you're able to recognise in a sober and no ego way that it's not about you and that you are flawed, blessed are those that are recognised that they don't have it all together because you can receive help and grow. Blessed are those that don't think they're God's gift because they can receive God's gift. It's only when you realise soberly who you are that you can actually receive help and grow. That you can actually say, hey, I need help in this area. It's only when you let God into the mess that he can heal it. He can restore it. I reckon that's why, and this is not a political, I was scrapped this and then I brought it back and scrapped it because I'm actually not holding a political position. But this is why Queensland is probably the slowest one to get the jab uh, because they haven't seen what other states or haven't been locked down like other states. Because honestly, I don't know a single person with a case. So I'm struggling to get concerned about it. Doesn't affect me, at, it affects the church, don't get me wrong, it's a, what the heaps of things have affected us. But I haven't known anyone. And so again, whatever you want to do with that, it's between you and God, it's nothing to do with us, but where whenever a human doesn't think they need help. Or let me put it this way. I've got friends that are atheists and I reckon they're the easiest sometimes to talk about God because they're trying so hard to not recognise him. (laughs) It's like you protest too much. Like why do you care so much he doesn't exist if he doesn't exist? It's because I reckon, I'm putting them all in one box here, but I reckon they do care pretty deeply. Or my friends are the loosest friends I have. My friends that are out most weekends. My friends that are living a wild life. Do you know what? They know life's not that great. You don't make yourself sick or distract yourself with drugs and alcohol if you think life is really good when you're sober. They're really easy to talk about God with. Do you know who the hardest ones of my friends I've found are the hardest to talk about God they're the ones that just have a pretty good life. They're so hard. They're comfortable. They're like, yeah, nah, God seems like a cool dude. That's cool you got a church, Steve. Good for you. 
I've got my truth. They've got no issues. They're not angry at anyone. Why, why would they if they don't think they need something? And that's exactly what's blessed are those that actually say, I need help. I need something because then God can fix it. God can restore it. God can be there in the mess and help you clean it up. Amen? So what type of places does Jesus go and what type of people does Jesus talk to? He's into the mess with messy people. Straight down there amongst them. Loves it. And blessed are they. So question one. We've got three questions we're going to reflect on this morning comes directly out of this scripture. Is he allowed in your mess? Question one, is he allowed in your mess? What's going on for you right now? Addiction? Private gambling? Pokies? Alcohol? Porn? Lust? Greed? Control? It's one we kind of celebrate sometimes as a society. They've like, they've got control of lots of things. It's an addiction as well. Anger. Not a time to look at the person beside you. It's the worst time. Don't deflect it. Go, all right, well, I hope such and such is here this morning. <laughs> That's not what's going on in your life. Your mess. Or are you doing a quick, are you doing what we do before we have people around? Quick, just chuck it in the bedrooms. <laughs> quick, chuck it in the cupboard. No one opened that cupboard. Quick, are you doing that right now? Quick, Jesus is coming. Get rid of the, put the bottles in the recycling bin. Quick. Oh, yeah, letting it out, not in an irreverent way, but in a way, God, you can have this because you're not going to be able to deal with it if it's in my cupboard. You can't deal with it if it's hidden in another room. I can't be blessed if I'm not willing to admit the mess. Jesus, what a waste. And I'm guilty of this too. I'm not, it's not a guilty. What a waste. Jesus comes into our existence. He gets out of heaven. It says he, it says he hum, humiliated himself because he's the king, right? And he's in a stable and then he's on a mountain and he comes down amongst the chaos and the mess. What a waste to not let him have that deeply messy part of your life. Not as an instant fix, but as something he can work with. He can go, look, open the cupboard, check this out. And he can go, all right, let's start here together. Let me bring restoration. Let me bless you. Let me grow you. Let me give you hope. He wants to work in your mess. The messier you can admit, the more he can work. Just in case they still don't get it, because humans, we all still need another reminder. He goes on, just in case. This is the power of reading it in full context. Then he says this in 23, Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. But woe to you who are rich! For you've already received your comfort. Talking about my mates that are already comfortable. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, because you will mourn and weep. Woe to you who everyone speaks well of... I love this line. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how the ancestors treated the false prophets. The pursuit is not about everyone liking you. Modern speak here. 
Be careful of the influencer that has millions of likes on Instagram or social media or in your life. Just because they're seen or popular doesn't mean they're worthy of influencing you. Just because they're seen or popular doesn't mean they're worthy of your time and your attention. In fact, if they're too popular, be careful. Be careful, it says. They're too liked. So, yeah, I struggle with this. Being too liked. No, I don't. That's rubbish. (laughs) I know you guys. I'm kind of liked. Don't be distracted. Don't seek distraction. Be in the mess and let God deal with it. Amen? More on that in a second. Let's come back to that. But I want to ask you a question which I asked as I read this passage. What if my life is okay at the moment though? Am I meant to feel guilty? What if I'm accidentally successful? Am I sitting there now going, Phew. what if I'm doing all right? What if I'm living Queensland in Australia, one of the greatest places? What if everyone in the entire country is trying to move to my city now? What if that's me? Do I create, and we see this, we create people, we see people create drama for the sake of it, don't we? The more civilised, sort of the civil, what we say civilised, the more comfortable they are, the more drama they find. We're seeing that in Western culture at the moment. The more comfortable we get, the more little things we find to, we try to find more things that divide us. He wears stripy shirts, I wear red ones. That means we need to go online and argue about it because we're bored and we're blessed. Do we go and make ourselves not blessed? No, and I think Jesus gives us some better advice, literally, in the next chapter. Let me just read this bit. Luke 6.27, going on. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those that curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them on the other side. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to it everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. We know that one. We know bits and pieces of that one. If you love those who love you, what credit is it that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you accept repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Let me ask you a question. Where do you find people that slap you, hate you, argue against you and steal your clothes? That sounds like to me, that's messy people. Does that, I don't run into a lot of people that slap me or steal my clothes, but that sounds like if I was around some people, they sound pretty messy. The key is to let God deal with your mess. That's the first part. The second part, if you're a Christian and your life isn't that messy and you want to stay in that blessed, messy zone with people, is to go into the mess with him. Go into other people's lives. Go and deal with messy people. Not judging them, 
but sharing your story of how your mess got cleaned up. The way we stay, if you're doing okay, the way we stay humble, the way we be Jesus is to do what he did, get off our mountains and go hang with the messy. Where we find people that might slap us, steal from us, steal our clothes. He says it. <laughs> the only example I could think of, and I've got to be careful because it's my dad and I only half asked permission to share this. This is kind of how I, this is, I hope this example is helpful. My dad um, turned 60 next week. He's grown up in church his whole life. He's played in church bands his whole life. Um, he's played piano, he's played bass, he's played in church his whole life. So he knows the church system. I watch him sometimes at the church I used to go to and the one he goes to and I watch him at the back and I, I see his peers as well and the music's never as good as when he played it. I can tell, he won't say it, he's pretty quiet about this, but I can tell it's ne- the bass is not as great. The keys are not as piano-y. <laughs> Whatever era he was, he, some of you have different eras, he would have probably that, maybe that 80s, 90s, Oh man, that was when worship. And I understand that. And the preachers aren't the same. They don't preach in the same style. He's very gracious with me. But I can tell. I can tell it's not the same. And I actually have said this to him, and I don't think he'll mind me sharing this. I said to Dad, I said, thank you, Dad. Because what he's also done is he's had 40 kids in and out of his home. And what he's also done is he plays in a prison ministry band where he gets to use those gifts. So I said to him recently, I said, thank you, Dad, especially when I was a pastor at that church. I said, thank you, Dad, for being too busy with messy people, nursing kids as they wean them off heroin, babies in your 50s. Thank you for kind of being too busy to write 17 letters to me around my preaching style and around how 80s music was the cream of worship. Even if he's right, I said, just thank you for being too busy with messy people. Silly example, but are you busy with messy people or you got too much time on your hands? Not just in church, with anything. Here's King David, the man that was after God's own heart. The greatest king short of Jesus, and he's not at war one night when he's older, he's got too much time in his hands instead of fighting in the mess with his people, and he sees the lady bathing. Whole life, whole kingdom, whole generation is ruined because he's just not in with people in mess. He's too bored, he's looking out, and he starts growing in lust. Are you just Christian? Are you, are you in the mess with messy people? I'm not saying you have to be busy, but gee, if you're getting slapped, if you're getting your clothes stolen from you, you're too busy to worry about some other things. You're too busy to get caught up in the silly things. The irony thing about this, the ironic thing about this, maybe ironic, my opinion again about my father, he may be one of the happiest men I know, though. Um, and I might be biased because he's my dad, but I think some of you know him. He might be one of the most steady, happy men that I know because of this working with a mess. And he hasn't, it's not euphoric. If you've met him, he comes here sometimes. He's not like 
dancing up front. I'm, he's just settled because he's seen some stuff and he's in the mess with people. So deeply grateful for what he has and deeply blessed, I believe. Question two, do you head towards the messy, the lonely person at work, the messy person at uni or in your neighbourhood? Oh, they're too loud. I don't know what it is. They're too rowdy. They're the ones that make mess. Perfect. Jesus has put you in that neighbourhood. Amen. And he sent you as a missionary to them to walk straight into their mess. Do you follow him into the mess? Do you head towards the messy? A way to keep yourself level in God's plan. Not greedy, not prideful, not, prideful, not forgetting what God has done to you in your mess. Not to judge, but to witness and say, hey, it worked out for me. It's working out for me. And bless you for it. Last kind of thought I had around these scriptures today, and then we're going to have a time of reflection. If you're messy and you're surrounded by messy people, here's the problem. How do you make sure you don't get caught up in it, though? If you are at the neighbor's house every Friday night, the loudest ones, and they're drinking, how do you not let them influence you to the extreme? I find that hard. So you're at least allowed to admit that's hard. How do you not let people influence you if you're around them all the time? How did Jesus, well, I know how Jesus did because he was God, but Jesus was around prostitutes, tax collectors, thieves. They called him a glutton, a drunk, because that's the people he hanged around. But how did he not get caught up in it? Well, one, he's God, but he also gives us some advice. How do we not get caught up in their addictions and their vices? Well, Jesus answers it in this final bit of this chapter. Luke 6, 46, let me read. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Build your house upon the rock. My mate who's currently helping put a pool in my house in Varsity says it's all sand. And he keeps telling everyone that the pastor he knows has built his house on sand. But he's very thankful because he's able to dig in there and it's been easy. But short of my example, build your house upon a rock. What does that mean? Well, he talks about judgment. We skipped a bit about judgment. He says, don't judge others. Then he talks about a tree with deep roots. And then he talks about a house on stable ground. He talks about being planted. The key to being with messy people is that you just need to make sure your life is built or rebuilt on a solid foundation. Your life can be comfortable, but that's not what you're building life upon. You can have seasons of incredible blessing, but don't build your life upon that. You can be with people while they try to find God through their vices and their different experiences, but as long as you're with them, but you're solid on what you've built your life upon. And we need to judge that sometimes. Sometimes we need to go, hey, I'm not ready to do this with these people because I'm not strong enough. 
I'll get blown over. I spoke about, I spoke about this hundreds of times. I came back, I was in a, long story short, played in a band overseas, got into some crazy habits, had some fun, came back, nothing to do, I wasn't pastor or anything like that at the time, but I needed to give, before I got married, I needed to give it three or six months between seeing some of my friends because I just needed to cool off on some of the habits I developed. I wasn't building my life on a foundation. I knew as soon as I was with them, they'd rev me up. They knew what buttons to pick. They're like, oh, it's boring Christian Steve's out. We want big Steve. Just poke the right buttons. Six months. I just needed six months to lay off that, build a more of a foundation, and then I could be with them. And thank God, they're slowly all coming to this church. So, praise God for Dave. <laughs> and Ash. It's cool. God is good. And we're building foundations together. Just make sure if you're going into the mess, you're building a solid foundation. Know who God is. Know what you're building upon. You don't have to be perfect, but you're building something with him. And so build his kingdom amongst the mess so they can see his kingdom start to come out of there. Does it make sense? So my third question is, what is he building, God, in you? What is he building in you? Three questions straight out of this chapter. Asking simply, what, where does God go? Who does he hang with? And what does he say to them? That's the heart behind the transformation trek. It's not the cure. It's not the latest program that will solve everything in your life. That's Jesus. It's just a great idea our church has come up with to help us build deep roots. Build a foundation. Reading the Bible is an incredible foundation. So here's what I'm going to get you to do. We're going to have some music and I'm going to get you to ask three questions and I'm going to give you a couple of instructions. Just felt like this is the way it should end today. Is he allowed in your mess? Was question one, God. Do you head towards the messy or do you avoid him? Number two. And number three, what is he building in you? We're going to have communion we're not going to have communion collectively. We're going to have communion in our private time. If you need some, we can get you some in a moment. But you're going to ask that first question as you take communion. Is he allowed in your mess or you're doing a quick cleanup before Jesus comes around? Is he allowed? And do you know what? If you only get to that today, great. That's fine. Once you've had communion, if you're up for it, I would love for you to find someone in the room and pray with them. Share whatever you want. You don't have to share your mess. You can share your mess. If you have a word of encouragement for them, give it to them. Pray together because we need each other. We need to come together and this is how we build strong foundation is with each other, praying for each other in community. That's how we go back out into the mess. So communion, prayer with each other and then when I think we're done, we'll sing another song. I know you guys are going to sing a song while we do this but when you feel ready, we can sing another song together. Let me give you three examples so you know if your pastor can admit it, then you know you're safe to be vulnerable too. I thought of these questions earlier, so I cheated. Is he allowed in your mess? My mess at the moment, the thing I'm dealing with at the moment, is insecurity. Um, not as in I need you all to come up after and go, great job, Steve. Don't do that. That's not what I'm fishing for. But it's hard the last two years, and the tired, more tired I get in this COVID season the more people's comments or the more when someone leaves, it devastates me. 
I lose sleep, I worry, and I take it personally. Do I head towards a messy? What happens is when I'm taking it personally, I'm thinking about me, I'm nursing my little wounds, and I don't have any time for people that are actually hurting. I need to get over that. And someone told me recently as I was talking to my mentor, I said, I'm really worried about this person. They said, maybe you placed too much faith in that person instead of Jesus. And so what's he need to build in me? Need to remember that this isn't my church. This isn't my kingdom. I'm so stoked I get to do this with you guys. It's our church and it's his kingdom. So I need to remember to put faith in him and let that build in me and let me be secure in that foundation. So that's me being vulnerable with you, clearing out some of that cupboard, hoping that you guys can be vulnerable with each other. Let me pray and we're going to take some communion in our own time, work through these questions and then if comfortable, find someone else in the room and pray with them. Cool, let me pray. Father, we just pray right now that you just, before we do a quick clean up, before we sweep under the bed, before we stuff things in the cupboard, may we just leave it out for a second and go, God, I know you already know. Here it is. I might be ashamed. I might be full of guilt. I might be embarrassed. But here it is, God. What are we going to do? Do you want to grab the vac? I'll grab the... (laughs) What are we going to do, God? How can you help me with this mess? Please, help me with this mess. Please heal me. Please restore me. Please deal with it. And Father, reveal to people in our lives that we've avoided because they're messy, because they slap us or steal our clothes. Let us lean towards them, not in our own strength, but in yours. Let us be around them, not in our own strength, but in yours. And let us build kingdom. Let us build kingdom in the darkest, grossest, most sinful places in the Gold Coast. Let us build kingdom with you. (laughs) Let us see restoration in you. Let's see kingdom in the darkest, grossest, most shameful places in our lives. Let's see kingdom grown there. Thank you that that's what you do. That's the whole purpose of you coming, dying for it, giving us a way to restore it, redeem it, and be reborn. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Um, If you don't have communion, if you just want to raise your hand, we'll get it to you. And then we're just going to spend a moment going through those things.